Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. In the 70s, uh, 1976, they had the, the Montreal Olympics. And I remember so Montreal, that was um, Montreal, Canada. And um, that was famous Olympics. A lot of great boxing took place. That's when Bruce Jenner was still Bruce Jenner. And um, <laughs> number one athlete in the world. And uh, it was a, uh, my family, my dad had grown up poor and he always wanted to, to, to attend something like that. So he took our whole family North Carolina and we flew to Canada, but we made a stop in New York City. And my father had worked in New York City, we had never seen it, and he wanted us to experience New York City. And so we went there, we went to a place called Mama Leone's, it was a famous Italian restaurant. And that night, we were, of course we were staying in Manhattan, and that night my parents wanted to go do something with my sister, and I didn't want to do it, I wanted to walk back by myself. And so, I remembered though hearing about all the crime that was in New York in the 70s. And I knew that there were pickpockets out there. So I walked all the way back to my motel with my hand in my back pocket, <laughs> had it on my wallet. I knew I wasn't thinking, if you're 17 years old, you're probably not a target for a pickpocket. But, but I, I got my hand because I was aware of the fact that there were thieves about. This wasn't Greensboro, North Carolina. This was New York City where crime goes to grow. And uh, I knew, man, I needed to be careful on that. This morning, I want to talk to you about a different kind of thief. I want to talk to you about the, the thieves that steal your peace. Last week, we talked about our peace, that, that tranquility, that, that sense of calm and rest that we have that comes from God. It's the peace, the Bible said, that passes understanding. In other words, it's in our heart. And yet there are things that steal our peace. This morning, I want to talk, give you some of those and then talk, how do we respond to that? How do we stop the, the peace thieves from picking our pocket, from stealing our peace? There's some things that are small, but they rob us. I, these are not life's majors. I find you lose a lot of peace in life's minors. Like when someone insults you. Have you ever been insulted for no particular reason? There's someone which is unkind, and they insulted you, you don't forget that. It's, it's something that a lot of times will stay with you, and if you're not careful, it'll rob you of your peace. A Texas cowboy was on the rodeo circuit, and he was pulling his horse. They were coming back through Arizona, and he got stopped for speeding. And the trooper that stopped him did not like Texans. He made that known, because he was giving them a ticket for going five miles over. And as he was riding out the ticket, he looked around the back of the horse trailer and saw a busted taillight, so he's writing him a ticket for that. And as he's writing the ticket, there was a flies around his head and he kept swatting at the flies and the cowboy from Texas finally spoke up and said, y'all got a problem with them circle flies down here? And the uh, trooper kept riding and he stopped and went, what are circle flies? Cowboy said, well, those are those flies that circle around the back end of a horse. Trooper started riding again, he, he stopped, he said, did you just call me the back end of a horse? <laughs> that cowboy said, no, no, sir. So I was raised by good people taught to, to fear the law. I would, I would not dream of calling you the back end of a horse. Trooper said, good, and he started riding again. 
Cowboy spoke up. He said, but it's sure, sure hard to fool them flies. <laughs> That's an insult. <laughs> but a lot of times when we get insults, there's, there's certainly no humor involved. And they hurt us. They steal our peace. Criticism can steal your peace. Criticism and and I'm not talking about feedback. You know, sometimes you get feedback, but that's, that's done with the, with the intent to help. Criticism is often given, especially when it's unwarranted or it's harsh, it has a demeaning sense to it. And I've heard people say, well, you need to look for the grain of truth in the criticism. Yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. But you know, it's like, if you got a half a sandwich in a garbage can, I don't want to dig through all the garbage to get to the half a sandwich. So criticism can be hurtful because a lot of times it's not meant to help. It's meant to demean. It's meant to hurt. And then the third thing, it's just a minor thing, it's just someone takes advantage of you. Someone uses you to benefit themselves. Like maybe, you know, you, they were new and you invited them in and introduced them to all your friends. And the next thing you know, they were all their friends and now you're on the outs. Or someone uses you to get ahead in their own career or they take the credit for something that you've done. And the thing about it is, is these things hurt because what they do is they chip away at the self-image and the self-esteem that we have because it's often very fragile. And we so much want to be loved, to be seen as valuable, to be esteemed, to be seen as capable. And so when insults and criticism and someone takes advantage of us, that, that dents, that eats away at our self-esteem and how we see ourselves. But what if? What if we changed and flipped the script on this? We flipped the script on the insults, on the criticism, on people taking advantage of us. So how in the world can we do that? We flip the script by seeing the situation differently. Here's one thing that you gotta understand in life. You can't control everything that people do. You can control your response. A man and a lady were talking and the man said, I don't get it. She said, every time I get mad at you and I get angry, you never fight back. He said, how do you control your anger? And she said, I clean the toilet. <laughs> he said, how does that help? She said, I use your toothbrush. Ladies, that's not a creative idea from your pastor. <laughs> but guys, I'd be checking my toothbrush if I were you. I... The idea is that you can still control your response to things. So what if we saw it differently? But here's an even bigger thing. What if we saw ourselves differently? When John was writing to the church, he wrote this in John chapter 5. He said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Whatever is born of God. If you've ever made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you've been born of God. And the Bible said if you're born of God, then you're an overcomer of the world, of all that the world throws at you, of all the negativity, of all the criticism, of all the insults, of all the people doing you wrong. You've overcome that because you're born of God. You're bigger than that. You're better than that. And so you begin to, maybe if you begin to see it that way. My, uh, my, my daughter, Christina, I do have a daughter. She is the stealth daughter. She's sworn me to secrecy on most of her stories. But when she was three, 
People would give her a kiss. She was a cute little girl and people would give her a kiss. Relatives would give her a kiss and invariably after they would give her a kiss, she would look at them and she would go, ooh, your breath stinks. She did that to everyone. It was really kind of embarrassing. I mean, everyone that kissed her, she like, ooh, your breath stinks. Well, how many of you know if a three-year-old tells you that your breath stinks, you don't go home and go, oh my God, I'm sure I was told that my breath stinks. It's a whole different story. You're bigger than a three-year-old. You're like, well, <laughs> bless your heart. And you go on. <laughs> but if you hear it from a coworker who told somebody else, then that's a different story. But yet, if you're born of God, you're an overcomer. You're bigger than that. You're stronger than that. And this is where we begin to use our faith. We begin to use our faith that says, I'm going to see myself as God sees me, not as other people see me, not as the world tells me, not as culture tells me that I am. I'm going to begin to develop my self-esteem from what God has said. And if God says I'm an overcomer because I'm born of him, then whether I feel like it or not, that's what I say about myself. Now listen, that's the strongest that's the strongest identity you're ever going to have. And if we base our eternity on what God has said, we might as well base our identity on what he said as well. And parents, let me give you just a parenting tip. One of the most important and valuable things you can do for your children is help them establish a strong self-esteem because the world will tear it up. And the world will tell them, if you don't look a certain way, if you don't act a certain way, if you're not in a certain crowd, if you don't have a certain thing, that you don't have any value and you don't have any worth. And we see our young people, and if you don't think it's impacted young people, teen suicides have increased dramatically in the last 10 years. And this is one reason we have youth groups. This is one reason we invested our young people because we've got to get in them a different message, a different message of God sees you differently. God says you have value. God says you have a plan. God says there is something strong in you and you're bigger and better than what the world tells you. And parents, if you can help your kids see that. Because here's the thing. You don't want them to just fit in. I know parents, oh, they, they want their kids to be loved. They want their kids to fit in. You don't want them to simply fit in. You want them to be able to stand strong because there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes their way. Let me tell you a story. It's a story about a lady in the Bible that the Bible said is wise and good looking. If the Bible calls you wise and good looking, you are a knockout. And because uh, the Bible doesn't throw flowers too much. But she was married to a man that the Bible said was harsh and evil <laughs> and rich, which is how the only reason I'm thinking that he got the good looking smart wife. But he was a mean man, his name was Nabal. And, and Nabal was, he, man, he was just a harsh guy. He lived in the time that David was running from Saul. Remember David was anointed to be king. Saul was a bad king. Saul was jealous of David. So Saul was trying to kill David. For seven years, David was a fugitive running all around Israel, and he had a group of guys that came with him. He had about 600 men and their families that joined David. And so they had to move all around the country. And, and you know, the, how, do you feed, how do you feed 600 men and their families? You gotta do something. H-E-B hadn't opened yet. Chick-fil-A's closed on Sundays. You gotta do something different. <laughs> and so they would go rob areas and they would steal from the enemies of Israel. But they also ran a protection service. And so when Nabal, is, he's out there uh, shearing his sheep, he had 3,000 sheep. Well, you get all those sheep together, 
That's the time when predators can come in or robbers can steal when they're shearing the sheep. It's a very vulnerable time. So David and his men, they said, the Bible said they were a wall around them day and night. They gave them 24-hour protection. They didn't lose a single sheep. Everything was in good shape. And so when it was all over and all their sheep were sheared, it was a feast day, David sent 10 of his young men to Nabal and said, hey, Nabal, you know, we took care of you. Your men were taken care of. David sends you greetings. You know, what, what can you share with us on a feast day? He sent 10 men because he was looking to, to take some food back. And the Bible said that Nabal just railed on them. He looked at them, he said, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? He said, you know, there's a lot of slaves that have broken away from their masters. He said, no, he said, I'm not giving you any of my stuff. He insulted David by saying, who are you? Everybody knew who David was. And, and, and then he insulted his family. Son of Jesse brought his dad into it. Who's the son of Jesse? He said, there's a lot of slaves that left their master. So basically he was saying is, you should have never left Saul. So he just showed that he sided with Saul. He's insulting David again and again and gives him nothing. David was good and evil was returned to him. And the men, the, the, the young men that went, he was so harsh in his, in his Nabal was so harsh in, in his response. The Bible said they turned on their heel. You know, when someone's upset, they just turned around. They went back and they told David. And man, when they told David, that made David hot. Now, David is a godly man. The Bible said that David was a man after God's own heart. And David looked at all his men and he didn't go, well, bless his heart. He looked at his men and went, gird on your sword. That's Old Testament for lock and load. <laughs> We're going after them right here. And 400 men put their swords on, 200 stayed by the stuff. And David said, let, he said, let God do to me and more so if I don't make every male in his house dead by this time tomorrow. David was going to kill everybody in Nabal's house, including Nabal. Someone who was one of Nabal's servants saw what was going on and went and told Abigail. Abigail knew trouble was coming. So she called down to the kitchen and she rustled up some grub. And put it on, I mean, a lot of it. Put it on donkeys. And she sent those donkeys out before her. Very smart. If you're going to talk to men who are hungry and angry, they're hangry, bring food. And so she sent food out. And then she came. And when she saw David, she got off her donkey and she fell on the ground. And this is what she said. And her wisdom here is great. She said, please forgive the trespass of your maidservant. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord. Now, I'm, I'm going to add something here just for clarity. For the Lord God certainly make for my Lord David an enduring house. Because my Lord David fights the battles of the Lord God and evil is not found in you throughout all your days. Yet a man is risen to pursue you and seek your life. That was Saul. But the life of my Lord David shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out from a pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord God has done for my Lord David according to all the good he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor an offense of heart to my Lord David, either that you have shed blood without cause and that my Lord David has avenged himself. But when the Lord God has dealt well with my Lord David, then remember your maidservant. David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me and blessed is your advice and blessed are you. 
When David looked to Abigail, reminded David, she gave David three pieces of advice. She said, first thing, she said, David, she said, you're connected to God. She said, you fight the Lord's battles. There's no evil in you. You, you represent the Lord. You, you, you fight for him. The second thing she told him is, she said, you got a future in God that looks great. We sang that song this morning. My hope is in you. My future is in you. She said, David, you got a future in God. God's going to make you the ruler over all of Israel. You, 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 your things look good. And then she said, the third thing she said, don't let this be a grief to you, a grief of heart. In other words, when you're king and you've gone in there and killed all these people only for insulting you. See, this is where the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Yeah, you got insulted. Yeah, you got criti criticized. Yeah, he wasn't good to you. But does everyone deserve to die? She said, that'll be a grief of heart to you. That's going to bother your heart. She said, don't do that. Now, David had a lot of wisdom and a lot of humility because he received this, this wisdom from a, from a lady. You have to understand women at that time did not have the same status as men. He received this wisdom from her and he made an adjustment in his heart. And he went, oh, this is God's advice. He said, blessed are you. For, for this is the advice of God. David had a lot of wisdom and he backed off of what he was going to do. Now, Nabal died about a week later. And as soon as Nabal died, David sent Abigail a rose. <laughs> Said, hey, I'm choosing you, babe. And they got married. He married her. Smart me. He said, smart, good looking. I'm taking her. And so... Um, it turned out well for David. But the advice that David had was given to by Abigail. Is, we can learn from that. Because the peace thieves will come and steal from you. How do we stop them? So let's take some of Abigail's advice. Let's apply it to us. Here's the first one. We have to remember who we are. We have to remind ourselves that we are connected to the Lord. That we are children of God. That our God is bigger than anybody else's God. But our God, I know there's a lot of evil out there. I know that we're seeing a lot of stuff today that we never would have dreamed of 10 years ago. And I know we're seeing a lot of stuff, but we can't get our eyes so much on the evil that we forget that we are children of the biggest God. Our God's bigger than their God. Our God is bigger than the evil. Our God is the one that we're connected to. We are children of the King. When I was a kid, we used to say on the playground, my daddy can whoop your daddy. Our God can whoop your God. Our God is, is the biggest God. So we have to remember who we're connected to. And the second thing we have to remember is who, that we represent him. That we're representatives of the Lord. That's, that's our place here on the earth. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, Alan. Now you're a representative because you're a preacher. No, if you've been born again, if you've made Jesus your Lord, then you are a representative of him. Now you may not be a preacher, but you're still someone that the Bible calls an ambassador. Look in this second Corinthians, Paul is writing the church, not to the preachers. He said, now then we're ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You say, I'm an ambassador. I never saw myself as an ambassador. We need to see ourselves as representatives of the Lord. The Bible said we're a, a, a branch in the vine, that we're part of the body of Christ. We actually are an extension of him and the earth. Christian means little Christ. So here we are with a different position. And if you see yourself as repping for the Lord, it'll change how you live. 
I was a sales rep for 15 years before we started the church. I sold jeans, I sold uh, check printing services, and I sold staff leasing. I would always go in representing the company that I was with. In the summertime, I used to, when I called on banks and savings and loans, I had to wear a suit and a tie. I didn't want to wear a suit. If you're wearing a suit and a tie in July in Texas, and then you sit, you're in a meeting and you stay in the meeting for you, and then you get in your car and it is 155 degrees in your car. I didn't want to wear a suit and a tie. I wanted to wear jeans, I mean, actually short pants and flip flops. But I could not do that because I was representing the company. So it was who you're representing. You, you dress differently. You act differently because you're not just representing yourself. You're representing someone else. And that's what we do. Now, I have an advantage as a pastor because I'm, con I'm constantly conscious of I represent this church. I met, that came clear to me when I'm driving with Matt one day. This was years ago. We had just started the church. Matt's in the front seat with me. We're driving. And a lady on 242, she gets over in the left lane and then slows down. <laughs> and she slowed down to the point where she was pacing the car beside her. And so I'm behind her close to give her the message that I need you to get out of my lane is what I need you to do. And I'm, I'm sitting there and this lady will not move. She just keeps going slower and the car beside us going slower and I'm getting more frustrated. I'm about to give her the horn, just share a horn blessing with her. And, <laughs> and I'll never forget Matt. Matt looks over me and goes, it's probably a church member, dad. <laughs> like, oh dear Lord. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> no horn blessing for her. Because how many of you know, what a horrible thought when you look up in the rearview mirror and you see your pastor just. <laughs> I'm repping. I got to rep for the church. But we all have to rep for the Lord. We're his ambassadors and he's sending us out into a world that we represent him. So when the criticisms, when the insults, when the stuff comes, we can't just react any way we want to because we're representing him. And we don't want to do the things that hurt our heart. Peace, that's our second thing. The peace of God's in us. It's in our heart. It's a spiritual thing. But we, the Bible said we don't want to do that to hurt our heart. In fact, the Bible said we're to protect our heart. Look in Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4 says, keep your heart or protect your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. And so, Man, I want to do the things that protect my heart. But you know when Abigail looked at David, she said, David, don't do this. This is going to be a grief of heart to you. And so he's saying, don't, don't do this. You're going to regret this later. I can tell you that, that lashing out at someone, listen, I've done it. I've gotten even with people, but it's a hollow victory. It's, a, it's, it's hollow. And when you, you, you get even with somebody, you don't walk away and go, wow, I really feel good now. That was refreshing. Let's pray. No, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't feel spiritual after you've done that. You're like, you're okay for a while, but then sometimes at night you're lying there and you thought, ah, I wish I hadn't done that. Because it grieves your heart. And then our thoughts. That's a whole nother message. But I don't want to be thinking, and boy, have, have I ever done this. 
someone's done something to me or criticized me or said something or taken advantage of me. And man, you can go through a whole scenario in your mind about how you're going to get them back. And I mean, maybe you never do anything. On the outside, you're like all smiling. And on the inside, you're like, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. But the problem is those thoughts hurt your heart. They don't help your heart. They steal your peace. They don't create anymore. Remember who you are. Don't do anything that hurts your heart. But then the third thing, and I love this one, we have to remember we have a future in God and it's good. We have a future in God. I, David, Abigail said, David, you're going to be a ruler. God's going to God's going to sling out all your enemies. You're going to be okay. God's going to establish you. Everything he's promised you is going to come to pass in your life. You got something that looks good. Don't stoop to this level. Don't do this yet because the future looks better for you. And we have to believe that it's going to be good for us, that, that God is good and that he's going to be good for us. And we're expecting good. One of my very favorite verses is Psalms 27, 13. that said, I would have lost heart. Or you could say, I would have lost peace unless I believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe I'm going to see God's goodness in my land. In other words, I have an expectation of good. And that hope is stronger than the hurts. That expectation of God's being good to me. And boy, that's something to... Boy, you talk about something to develop. It, it, you know what it is? It's what I call the vacation principle. Do you know what it is when you get, we're in the month of the summer months, June, July, people take vacations. Every year my family takes a vacation. We all go down to the beach together. We love doing that. All my family comes together. There's 14 of us in one house. It's a great time. And we look forward to it. But the week before vacation, a lot of stuff's got to get done. Have you ever noticed though, when you, the week before vacation, you handle problems like nothing. You're like, bless God, I'm going on vacation. <laughs> and a problem comes and you're like, never forget that or deal with it. And someone says something, you're like, I don't have time to deal with that now because I know I'm going on vacation. I'm going to be sticking my toes in the sand. It's going to be good. It's going to be blessing. And because you're expecting good, you deal with the negative stuff that comes your way. If you're expecting God to be good to you, if you're expecting to see his goodness, not just when you get to heaven, but right down here in the nasty now and now that God's going to be good, you're able to push past the hurts and the hope in you it's stronger than the hurts that come against you. And that's how you keep your peace. We do what David did when Abigail came to him. We recognize the wisdom of the Lord and we adjust. Would you bow your head for a moment? This morning, let me pray for all of you who are just, man, you've lost peace and it's over a minor. Not a major, just somebody, something said, Maybe about you, maybe about your family. And you just can't seem to shake that. Let's just give that to the Lord and not do anything. Pray for them, bless them and go on. Live bigger because you are bigger. Father, thank you for what you've done in us. That If we're born of you, we're overcomers. Overcome all the negatives, all the evil, all the junk that's in the world. And Lord, we rejoice in you. We're your children. We're children of the biggest God. And for that, we rejoice and give thanks. Thank you. We're expecting something good, not just in heaven, here on earth. Your goodness, your grace, your peace, 
to be in our lives in a big way. Sins are bowed, eyes are closed. If you came this morning and said, Alan, I don't, I'm not sure if I even have a relationship with the Lord, but I'd like one. Or maybe you're saying, yeah, I, I used to have a relationship with God, but I know I've gotten far away from Him. Well, you lose peace when that happens. But you're saying, I, I want to come back. Well, great news is He will take you back in a New York second. So his heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. We're not going to have you stand up or come to the front. But if that's you I'm talking to and you're saying, I want to make sure that I have a relationship with the Lord or I want to come back to him, would you pray for me? We'll do that. Would you slip your hand up just across this auditorium and say, that's me. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand and wanted to. You can still pray this prayer with us. We're going we're to pray it with you as a church family. If you're watching online, if you're by yourself, pray this out loud. If you're with other people, pray it quietly. We're going to pray here as a church family in, at the ark. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who just sincerely turn their hearts towards you here online, for those who've come back, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your restoration. Thank you they've stepped out of darkness into light and come back home. And thank you for the peace that passes all understanding that guards their hearts. Lord, we give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. One quick thing before you go. If you're here, maybe you prayed that prayer with us in time past, or you prayed it today for the very first time, you can either scan that and give us some information or you, there's a card by your feet. We'll take a moment and, we'll, and we, we, we pray for these cards. We pray for these scans every week. We don't miss. So take a moment and do that. And on the way out, you can, you can drop it in the box as you go. May the Lord bless you, protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We love you. We're praying for you. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.